0: Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost We praise your name, O oh Lord We praise your name, O oh Lord We praise your name, O oh Lord name oh lord we praise your name oh lord we praise your name oh lord we praise your name lord we worship you we thank you we eulogize you. We exalt you. We exalt in you. We glorify you. We magnify you. We exalt you, you your munificence, your magnificence, your glory, your graciousness, your awesomeness, your majesty. We celebrate you, Lord. We declare that you're a good God and a great God and a glorious God and a gracious God and a graceful God that you're almighty God, almighty. And so we praise you and we worship you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. You know, um, God spoke to Moses in Exodus chapter 6 and said, Your father, Abraham, knew me by my name, El Shaddai. But by my name, Jehovah, did he not know me? Mm -hmm. He knew me by my name, El Shaddai. Almighty God, Almighty. The many-breasted God. The God who meets his material needs. And Abraham wants a wife, El Shaddai. He wants a child, El Shaddai. He wants a house, El Shaddai. He wants cattle, camels, El Shaddai. He wants material things. He wants a breakthrough, El Shaddai. <laughs> Hallelujah. But by my name, Jehovah did not know me. What's my name, Jehovah? I am that I am. He did not know me as the God that will be what he will be, to whomsoever will be, whensoever will be, howsoever will be, if ever he wants to be. He didn't know me like that. He just knew me as the God that met his needs unfortunately brethren that is still the level of revelation we have in church we know our God God that we know is a God that meets our needs nothing wrong with that but that's kindergarten that's not kingdom I know when pastor was talking about the kingdoms so that's, not, you see, that's not the kingdom in the kingdom you don't think like that that's kindergarten and so most of the church that's where we are our churches are full of people that are just going for their existential needs to meet their needs. They're not going after God. They're not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because if you're a kingdom person, that's your mentality. God first. You seek first the kingdom of God. I, I said to you that the two most important scriptures in the Bible John 3.16 16 and Matthew 6.33. You get born again with John 3.16, you live your life with Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things to be added unto you. But you know, we've inverted it. We seek first these other things and hope to find the kingdom somewhere. Mm-hmm. Amen? So, you know, I just thought it started on a somber, sober note to get a thing about stuff. So let me tell you some stories. Um, my name is Ode Woreshe Andrew Ishegare, Egoibu Korobola. <laughs> uh, I got born again forty four years ago hmm now this date's important this is the reason I'm saying that just we' going there's always method to my madness, so be cool be coming down <laughs> I got born again forty four years ago. I got called to the ministry 42 years ago. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost with evidence speaking in tongues 42 years ago. I became a full-time minister so-called 32 years ago. Now, What other stories are relevant? relevant. Um, I became a teaching apostle I'm going to explain all that a, a teaching apostle um, 24 years ago I'm a pastor now <laughs> so here's a story so yes I was 15 when I got born again I was 17 when I got through the Holy Ghost and called to the ministry I was 27 when I became a full-time minister. He's in those states now. I was 30 when I got inducted as a pastor of a local church. I was 33 when I got ordained as a minister to the Body of Christ. Okay. Now, when I got born again at 15, I was—I got born again in the process of chasing a girl. Now, I knew you boys were like that. And when I said that, the was said, ooh, tell me more. That young man sat forward. <laughs> so I'm 15 years old. It's my first year at the University of Nigeria and through campus. And so I'm like free now. I'm on campus. My dad couldn't take me to school, so he gave me a whole lot of money. Right? So I had this money, 15 years old. I've read everything. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. I just, you know, it was, it was all nice. I had lots of money, so, you know. And <laughs> so I went to a party on campus. And asked a girl to dance with me. And she said, no. And I said, why not? She said, I'm here with my boyfriend. Hmm. So I told my friend, I'm not going to attend a party on this campus again until I want to have a girlfriend. Saturday. So Monday morning, law library. I entered the library. I saw this girl by the corner there. "Hmm." So I walked up to her. (laughs) Anyway, did all you say? Hi, hi, my name is Ode. It turns out she's also a first year law student like me. So we become friends. We sort of just, I'm toasting her, talking with her, all of that. So two weeks into this friendship, I said to her, There's a party on Saturday. Would you like to come with me? And she said, no. What do you mean, no? Why are you not going? She says, because I'm a Christian. She got born again two weeks before I spoke to her. Two weeks. Ah. The thing is, choke. Is it choke or choke? What was it? It's choke. Yeah, right, right. It did some measure. <laughs> So when I began to talk, what do you mean you're a Christian, da, 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 you know, back and forth, back and forth, you know, you Christian, you began to debate with her. And if she didn't go, it would probably be Misha. So one day, I, I decided to go and visit her in her room. So I dressed her. I can tell you what I was putting on that day. Nice blue shirt, lovely corduroy trousers, black shoes, black socks, I had my black glasses and local hair. And I, I had my father's perfume that I stole when I was coming to school. It was a Givenchy gentleman still my father Givenchy I mean so I walked to the place now <laughs> she wasn't in the room <laughs> but I met an older lady there she was this lady was fifth year or sixth year medicine so we're first year so she's older plus I mean the big sister to was so I said I'm looking for and such and she says um, she's not in uh, then she says what is your name and I said my name is Ode Wurishere She says, what does it mean? I said, it means that this matter or this person is in the hands of God. Then it was a setup. She asked me the critical juggler question. Are you in the hands of God? Hey. One hour later, this lady didn't let me go. She gave me the gospel from Genesis to Revelation. (laughs) Preached to me for my name. And she said, Would you like to give your life to Christ? I said, uh, Let me think about it. So I left, go back to my room. As I was going back to my room, I'm thinking, now of course I know it's the Holy Ghost now. Bring, so I'm thinking, you know what a woman said is true? Well, you know if you die today, you'll go to hell, don't you know that? I said, yeah, I know. So don't you think it would be rather, just me thinking to myself now, don't you think it rather stupid to go to hell when you go to heaven? Yeah, that would be rather stupid. So I go to my room, I knelt on my bed, and said, all right, Jesus. <laughs> I'm here. That's, that's it. Now, let me tell you what else was unique about that thing. I got it from my niece that day. That day. And I went into town. It was Enugu. I went to Enugu campus. I left the campus, went to town that day, that afternoon. Went to Zick Avenue, where it was a bookshop, the Challenger bookstore. And I bought a Bible. Now, see, I bought a Bible came back to my room and opened the Bible. I did not open to Genesis 1. You know where I opened? The preface. I said to read from the preface. And that was it. Between 15 and 17, I was reading 20, 30 chapters of the Bible every day. I tell you why those dates are important because I'm impressed because of you young people here who might think, I was reading 20, 30 chapters. Nobody told me. But I understood that this new life... See, that's, that's how you know when new, something new happens. Nobody told me. There's a hunger from inside. I was in 20 to 30 chapters of the Bible every day. I was praying two to three hours a day every day. 15 years old. 15, 16, 17, 18 years. Up to 18. When I turned 18, I read 82 books by Kellen Hagen. Mm, Not your head. I'll say no, wow. it's now wow. Sure. I did. Because it was something. So when a person says they're born again, this is and there's no zeal, there's no fire, there's no drive, there's no hunger. I wonder. I took I really wonder. No zeal, no drive, no hunger, no fire, no craving. I wonder. See, that's what we did. That's how we grew up. Then, when I turned 17, they began to the teach in our fellowship, just like we're doing here, about ministry gifts and spiritual gifts. We're teaching in the fellowship land. So I began to ask myself, "What is my calling? What's my gift? What's my ministry? What's my all of that stuff?" I'm asking myself those questions, and you see, because now you know, when I say I read 23 chapters of the Bible, I read these books, I do all of this stuff. Again, there's a history to that, right? Because my whole life has been about books anyway. So when I became a Christian, it was just a natural thing to go into that. I mean, I remember when I was seven years old. I remember this distinctly. I I went with my mom to visit my uncle in Ekololu somewhere in so Surulere. There were some older people sitting in the sitting room there. I entered the house. And you know what I did? I just went straight to the bookcase. I didn't greet anybody. They almost removed my ear. That they, most of the book is, and I got out of the book. Do you know what the book was? I remember. It was Cypon A. Quince's book, Burning Grass. I read the book that day. When I was 10 years old, I read Harold Robbins, The Adventurers, 1,100 pages. So, you understand. So that's always been part of that. But, but I also, under, you become a Christian, then you understand, like, Paul said in Ephesians 3, so it is by reading that you understand. It is by reading that you understand. And that by the way is you apply in your schoolwork. Why do most people fail? They don't read. Or they don't. Or why do they either fail or pass up mediocrity? They don't read. Because if you pay attention to reading, what did Paul say again to Timothy? Before I come, pay attention you want to pay attention? Focus like a laser. It says, pay attention to reading <laughs> and to exhortation. So you know, all of this ministry things, the, the foundation of it has got to be the scriptures. Pay attention to reading. To the reading of the scriptures and to exhortation, he said, pay attention to reading. So, they used to come to the assembly and read huge chunks of the Bible, huge chunks. They just read. I mean, in our services, most times we're reading about five to six, seven Psalms a service, huge chunks. We're paying attention to that. We come to church sometimes, and just read a whole book, um, Ephesians. Pay attention to reading. So anyway, so this message is going on about fundamentals. So so I, so I now I begin to pray, Lord, what's my ministry? What's my calling? And then I get a, a collection of books. So it's always a collection of books, right? Um, there was a man called Peter by Catherine Marshall. Then there was something more. Beyond ourselves, and Christie, also by Catherine Marshall. I'll tell you the story of Catherine Marshall. Then there was How to Discover Your Ministry Gift by Rick Yon Senior, and How to Discover Your Calling, Your Your Ministry Calling, also by Rick Yon Senior. Those I remember. Those are the books I read specifically during that period when I was praying and said, "Lord, what's my calling? What's my ministry?" Those books were talking about different. These things we are talking about here today, actually, that's what they're talking about. And I remember it was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, not quite, I can't remember I think it was somewhere in August or July or something where I heard God speak to me. Now an angel did not enter my room yeah, let's be clear I didn't hear a loud voice Mm-hmm Oh, if I, why are you me? <laughs> I just had a and knowing, you know, the Lord spoke to me in my conscience, in my heart, in my spirit. They had called me to be a teacher and a pastor. It was very specific. Teacher and a pastor. And gave me a whole outline of how my ministry was going to op- operate. At think I was 17. All the things I began to do 10, 20, 30 years later were things I already knew when I was 17. But now here was a problem, I thought that it was going to happen the next day. Again, the lot of young people make. I almost dropped out of university. But God helped me. Oh, God helped me. I almost dropped out of school. Because the zeal of the house of God, the zeal of the word of God, I was so, I mean I heard God, there was no doubt about that. I'd heard God, but you see, when you get a word of knowledge, talk about that, you also need to get a word of wisdom to know how to operate the word of knowledge. So what happens to a lot of people is that they get a word of knowledge or God tells them some direction, but they don't wait on the Lord to get the wisdom to know how to operate. So they make lots of mistakes. So I thought I was going to go to ministry the next day. I'm 17. Now, remember what I said to you? I didn't become a full-time minister till I was 27. Ten years. It was ten years of training and preparation within the church. I, I, at one point, I, went to, I did go to Bible school. Later, I went to seminary, they at me, all of that stuff. Right, but so that's the story. Then, um, in 1993, I think it was. I, I felt God was saying to me, I should move from the ministry where I was, right? Now, correction, not move from the ministry. It wasn't to leave the ministry. I was in a ministry called the New Covenant Church with Dr. Paul Ginaldo. I never heard of him. Yes, it was a senior pastor. Of, uh, you know, New Covenant Church. I was a pastor there. I was actually overseeing three of the churches there. So, all of that, we didn't quite well. all that. But the word of the Lord to me was that I should step down from the pastoral ministry and set up a teaching ministry under the New Covenant Church. It wasn't to leave and start something else. That was the word of the Lord to me. So, because I went to my pastor, anyway, long and short of it, it didn't work. Because he asked me a question. <laughs> he said, do you know any church where this thing you're talking about has worked? So I said, I do. This is 1993. He says, I do. I mentioned the church. Then he said to me, But oh, you notice that they're all white churches. Ah. It was painful. Because it's not about white or black. It was about understanding the scriptures and our ministry works. Because, like pastor said, just hinted it, for most of all, we think ministry, all we think about is pastor. But the way it's supposed to work, really, is that in a church like this, so you might have the apostolic person or pastor wherever whatever it is, but you have apostles, teachers, from inside this church, going out to do all those things and then coming back here. But the way it has come to an eye is that you receive a call, to be a teacher, you feel you must plant a church. Because if you don't plant a church, your church will not support you. Your pastor will be threatened by you. Oh yeah, these are the realities of the world. So that's why we have so many churches all over the place by people who have no business planting churches. Now, not that they're not called to ministry, but they were not called to plant churches. They were called to teach or called to be um, evangelists are called to be different things but then they now go and plant it because that's the only model of ministry that we have and we understand because the local church is supposed to be a sending place where you have a local church which our base, the apostles, prophets, pastors teachers, evangelists are all here then those that need to be sent out, they will be sent out but from here and they will return to their base start to leave, all of that. and So that's just to give you a story. And then later on after that, um, I began to teach Bible school. I taught Bible school for years. I became a principal of a Bible college in England, all of that. Um, then began to have teaching missions to Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, Tanzania particularly. I also went to Sweden and America. As didn't know teaching missions. They're going to all sorts of places. Just teach it and it was funny because I remember I went to Kenya and um, somebody says to me Pastor they would like you to be our bishop we want not hand our churches over to you so I said I have a church in England i pastoring I'm actually looking for somebody that will take it from me any ideas? <laughs> because they could not understand the idea of a teaching apostle an apostolic person who just comes out and all he does is teach. We're not prepared, I'm not planning anything, I'm not doing anything. I can come to your s- city and just believe we went and stay for a whole month. We have teaching seminars every day. And then I go back to England. They couldn't understand that. So it was like they wanted to give me their church. that is now. I remember another guy comes to me and says, um, Pastor, Ode, I want you to be my bishop. Um, and then I need <laughs> I need some support. So I said, so what do you need? He says, I need some books. I need musical instruments. I need, I need, I need. you went to give me a whole list of needs. I said, okay. Your needs are met. I said, do you have a Bible? He says, yes. I says, show me. Your book needs are met. In fact, you don't have one book in this your library. You have six to six. So take. You have hands. You have a voice. Can you clap? Can you sing? Can you stamp your feet? Your instrumentation needs are met. Ah, space. Now, that doesn't apply to you, but. It applied to him. I said, "If you go to Uhuru Park, Uhuru Park is a big park in Nairobi. There are huge trees under there. Stand under the tree, clap your hands, sing. People will show up. Church has started." And I was like, "Is it your Bible says, Kil answer, kill and so, kill I <laughs> say, <laughs> but but, but I got the point. Again, that's again. Now I answer some questions here, because someone said to me, "How do I start?" You know, how I started ministry. My first day of ministry. Actually, I actually learned this from Kelly Copeland, by the way. My first day in full time ministry, hmm? October 1990, I think it was. Full time ministry. I woke up had a shower, dressed up in my suit and tie, carried my Bible, and took one, two, three, and I'm in mean the steps. It was a small flat we had in Enfield then, to my sitting room and sat down by my desk and opened my Bible. That was my first day of ministry. That was my office. I was a minister. Because was going to call me. I didn't need any trappings. I didn't need anything else. That was it. Alright, so those are the stories. Oops, that wasn't me, was it? Those are the stories. Now, let's come to the... Now, the other thing I want to say is, and I see that we've done comprehensive work. Now, we're supposed to be looking at the ministry gear. the fivefold ministry, essentially, isn't it? Okay, essentially. But now, it's actually a holistic package, right? So, I'm going to call it the ministry gifts of the Godhead. Let me explain to you how that works. In Romans chapter 12 there are seven ministry gifts there. Right? But there are seven gifts given by God the Father. Pay attention. In Ephesians 4 there are five gifts there there are five gifts given by God the son the gifts of the lord jesus christ in 1st corinthians 12 <laughs> nine <laughs> gifts given by god the holy spirit can you see that so ephesians romans 12 the gifts of the father ephesians 4 the gifts of the son 1st corinthians 12 the gifts of the holy spirit then and another chapter, First Peter 4. That has no particular classification. First Peter 4. So those are the four chapters that are relevant, particularly to what we're going to be looking at. Um, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, First Corinthians 12, and First Peter 4. So your four chapters. And this is what you're going to do for me. That's next week. You're going to read those four chapters. That's part of your homework now. Are, are you listening? Are you going to remember? You, 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 Are you going to remember? You know why you're not going to remember? Do you know why? Because you're just coming like this? I know, I know you think I'm nice, but that's all right. <laughs> you got to take some notes, my brother. That's some i Those four chapters, I want to read them. Now, let me tell you why it's important... To read chapters. Or does anybody want to help me? Why is it important to read chapters? Does anybody want to help me here? Talk to me. Yeah. For context. Because remember, a text taken out of a context is a pretext for your own false presuppositions. Say that after me. A text taken out of a context is a pretext for your own false presuppositions. Every error that we have in the church comes from out of context people. Because they just don't read the whole thing. To take one text and then build a whole doctrine around it. So that's why I say, read the chapter. So it's a good thing to do. Read the book. It's a good thing to do. Always. Now I'm not going to do that today because you're going to do it, but I want to. We're going to just isolate the scriptures. So let us start with Romans 12, the gifts of the Father. Romans 12. Ah, yes. Then let me say something else about. Open. Just put, give me Romans 12. Romans what? Romans 12. Now let me say something else about these things. Now, you will notice that when Pastor was reading the scripture from Ephesians 4, right? it actually says in the New Century Version, I like that version by the way, uh, a lot, I use it a lot, and it's my main thing. It, it says it gave some pastor, apostle, whatever. Now, let me tell you what he did not do. Listen to me. This is also what happens when we don't this part of this outcome I'm talking about. He did not give men as gifts. Come on now. So all this talk about let us welcome the gift of God is a lie. Nobody is a gift of God. Hello? That is a big fat lie. These are just self-aggrandizing statements we make to plop up our own egos. He did not give men as gifts. He gave gifts to men. That's it. So put the shoulder down a little bit. Then, number two, I know we do it. My sweet sister, Pastor Kewe, Pastor Ode, Reverend Dr. Ode, to give him his full honorific. Right? But those things are not titles. Pastor is not a title. Apostle is not a title. Prophet is not a title. Evangelist is not a title. Teacher is not a title. They are job descriptions. Come on now. So, my beautiful sister here is Sister Kewe, Pastor of... Because you understand that what joins us together in fellowship as the body of Christ. We don't have, we don't have um, hierarchical relationships in the body of Christ. We have fraternal relationships. In other words, we are brother and sister. That's it. So all these reverend, all these daddy, all these apostles, all these prophet. honestly, Honestly, it's a problem. It's a problem. Mm, brother? It's a problem. And now, you understand. I'm, see, I, you, know, you know, look, I've been doing this for a long time, right? That's why I think part of why I gave you my antecedents. So you know that I've been doing this for a long time. I'm not a small boy. I don't tell you for this matter. Right? <laughs> you understand. But the thing is, do, see, those things create honestly problems. Because you understand now that... Let me tell you another problem we have. Clergy, laity. That is so totally not New Covenant. There is no distinction in the body of Christ. between ministers and people, clergy and laity it doesn't exist. It's not a New Testament thing. In the New Testament, what you have is the body of Christ. We are not this is not this is not priests and levites and people. Come on now. There's no high priest that's going to enter any holy place for you. There's no holy place to enter. You are the holy place. So you you need to understand those things, right? Not because we want to be disrespectful or demeaning, but we want to understand ourselves. Because there's a lot of, frankly, rubbish going on. For those of you on the internet, I'm on the internet every day. Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, apart from WhatsApp and Telegram, every day I spend hours there. I'm doing my work. I'm not watching movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, hey, pastor, I'm recording every day. I just recorded before I came here. I did a message, so it's on Facebook and on YouTube. By the time I'm, I'm going to put it on Instagram everywhere. I, that's what I do when I go home. I'm going to do another one. I'm writing every day. I'm writing every day. I'm recording every day. Several times a day, every day. That's I do. That's I do stuff there. I have a whole school on Facebook. Right? So I see also things going on. And there are people running around. Some someone says, you know, there's they, you have to enter into a priesthood. Hey. Hey. There's no priesthood anybody's entering anywhere. You know why you're not entering? You know why you're not entering? Because you are already a royal priesthood. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar person. It is not some of us. It is all of us. The only qualification you have to be royal and a priest and holy and part of the nation and a peculiar person is that you are born again. Forget all these things. Young men running around calling themselves apostles and prophets. I don't know who to call them. So, now, it's a man to sound that way? Because this is what we are doing, isn't it? because out of this place apostles are going to rise prophets are going to rise pastors are going to rise teachers are going to rise evangelists are going to rise out of these people some of them are here already but so it's important for them to understand what I'm saying here you're not see, you know what Paul said as much as lies within me I make much of my own ministry he didn't say my ministry is bigger than yours he said, it is my ministry. I make much of it. You, you understand what I'm saying here? So I'm a teacher, for instance. This is my primary, primary ministry, right? That's my primary calling. I'm a teacher. I don't, I'm not envious of anybody. You can come in here and raise hundred dead people. I will I will help you. Get them up. If you say I will help you. But it doesn't affect me in any way. Because I know that when it comes to what I do, you two will have to be helping me to say, "Ah, amen, man." You can do it like this. That's the way it works. That's actually the way this thing works together. So it's not a hierarchy. It's a fellowship. So when we sit together, we don't sit one man at the head of the table. We have a round table, and we all sit around the table. That's the way the church works. Because you understand that the true metaphor for the church in the new covenant is not an ego. The true metaphor for the church is a goose. Actually not a goose, a flock of geese. That's the true metaphor. Does anybody understand why I'm saying that? You know anything about geese? Yes. Because you see now, Eagles don't flock. That's the teaching is said. Eagles are there. Eagles, that is not church. That is Lone Ranger and Tonto. That is Western um, cowboy movies. That's not Christianity. Because the church is a fellowship, the church is a community, the church is a family, the church is a koinonia, an intermingling of inter says that is total. That is the church. The church is a union. Not an isolation. So we're working together. That's exactly how geese work. That's why geese can fly higher than eagles. Geese can fly longer than eagles. You know why? Because they all flock together. So, you know, when they are drafted like this, the off-draft is so strong that even if you're weak, you, can, you can't flap your wings, the off-draft will carry you. And then, when, then they have an arrowhead, right? When the arrowhead is tired, it just leaves its place and no one takes over. They practice what's called roving leadership. One one is tired another no one takes over. And that's how they go distances. If, an, if a goose gets really sick and falls down, two of them follow, follow it and help it, and they help it up and carry it. That's what they do. That's the true metaphor for the church. But we do, we do everything in our power to create isolation, to create you know little silos of self-importance. Come on now. Praise God. Don't worry. As I remember, I'll tell you some more things. But so, Romans 12. Pastor, you know what you didn't do? You didn't tell me how much time I have hey my other name is Shalayu I will Shalayu to you tomorrow night Pastor, what time do I have please you tell me ok alright so tell me quickly <laughs> Romans 12 now, Romans 12 is actually my all time favorite passage in the Bible have you got it what verse is down ok now um. sorry, my glasses are not reading glasses so it's a bit uh-huh. what am I looking for? do not become formed as well for by the grace of God verse 12, is that what I'm looking for? no, no, no. We're talking about? yes, verse 6 from verse 6 please from verse 6 according to the grace given to us we have different gifts now, understand this. So here's the first thing I want to say. Oh, yes. Actually, the first thing I want to say, the very first thing I want to say, which is why I made that whole uh, thing about the, gifts of the Father gives the, the Son of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I've going to say. Every New Testament congregation of saints is a charismatic community by definition. You know what that means? The word charismatic means Gifted every congregation whether it is 2 or 3 or 20 or 30 or 200 or 300 or 2,000 or 3,000 so long as it is a congregation of the body of Christ a cell, a congregation a community of the body of Christ is a charismatic group by definition that means we are gifted we are all gifted that means there's no person here that does not have a gift. We are all gifted. Secondly, every congregation of the body of Christ, two or three, two million to three million, is it has five qualities. Every congregation. This is how you actually test it. In fact, don't even bother to test it. It's, it's what is called a given. You know what I mean? It's a given? This Okay, thank you. good. Thank you. Every congregation of the body of Christ, no matter how little or how large, has five characteristics. It is apostolic, it is prophetic, it is evangelistic, it is didactic, and it is pastoral. Now, let me explain that. This is from, from um, Ephesians 4. Because you understand that when Jesus said, when Jesus gave gifts to men, not men as gifts, gifts to men, there were two things going on there. There was the specific men, people being given those gifts. There was also the fact that he was transmitting a technology. But one of a different word, a better word. In other words, here's what he was saying. That this is my church, right? So you have an apostle here, is apostolic. So, the church, so when we say a church is apostolic, a, a church is, is a teaching church, a didactic church, a church is a pastoral church, a church is an evangelistic church. Now we say those things actually because we're trying to say this is our main focus. But my point is that that technology is supposed to be a fivefold technology, not just one. That is why you cannot build a church on one ministry gift. That's why you can't do that. You cannot build a church on one ministry gift. So I'm a teacher, for instance. So I don't a gift is teaching. So what have I done all my life? You know, every person I've taught has come and become a teacher, including your auntie Tokumbo. I was the one that gave her a certificate of a a teaching license. All, all of them, she was my student in Bible College, by the way, just in case you didn't know. All of them, every person, every single person, right, I've taught has become a teacher. And that's that's fine that's good but now if you have a church that's like all teaching then you're missing out on the other aspects of things so what you then do now what you do as a pastor is so let's say i start i'm a pastor but i'm a teacher primarily you know what i do i begin to develop the apostolic the pastoral and other gifts within that congregation they will rise from there i don't even need to bring them out they can actually rise from there and i begin to add value to the congregation. But the idea is to answer. It's more of a technology than a title, right? That, so this church here now, now this church here has those five components. It's a given. Now, whether we can identify them or not is not the point. The point is we need to know that they are there. It is actually that awareness that they are there that helps us to begin to release them from amongst ourselves. Same thing with the gifts of the spirit, those nine gifts. All of those nine gifts of spirit are in this place. Nobody said Amen. Now, <laughs> all the nine gifts are here. Then all the seven motivational gifts, the kind of motivational gifts in Romans twelve, they're here. Those are given. That's why that is important. That's actually why this teaching is important. It's not even so much in identifying who is who or who is what. When understanding that this church, by its very existence, by its very nature, by its very definition, has all the gifts of God the Father, all the gifts of God the Son, and all the gifts of God the Holy Spirit. So what we now need to do is how to stir them up and get a release. I remember when I was teaching one of my people back in the day, I see it in church now anyway, how to prophesy. So I say something like, You have a prophetic word. Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't, I say you have a prophetic word. So speak it, whatever is in your heart, speak it out. Because you know what, what the point is? How do we develop prophetic words? What is it, how, do, how do you speak in tongues? You speak in tongues? Yeah. Good. How do you speak in tongues? Just. By Connect. the F word, by. The F word. Oh, so you know another F word. I knew you were suspicious. The F word. The one we can use in church. Not the one they use outside. Faith. <laughs> can you see this boy? He knew the other one. Hi. Hey, I caught you there. <laughs> By faith. Everything. The just shall live by faith. And they just, by the way, also die by faith. Read Hebrews 11. We don't like that part. So they died by faith. Some subdued cities by faith. Some got miracles by faith. Others were beheaded by faith. It's in the Bible. Read it. We don't, you know, in our breakthrough churches, we don't read those ones. We read Hebrews 11, 1 to 10 or 11. We don't read to the end. Go home and read to the end. You'll be shocked. Some were wondrous and poor and suffering and destitute by faith. Some died by faith. Some had the victory by faith. Some were defeated by faith. All by faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to do anything for or with God. So here's my point. When I say prophesy, you prophesy by faith. How do I know if what I say is right? I don't know. So why ask me silly questions? Prophesy. And so the lady would speak up. Now this was so I said, okay. You have a, preface, you have a Pastor, I said, just say whatever. Many times she was saying nonsense. And I knew she was saying nonsense. But it didn't matter. Because I was, it's something called priming the well. You know what it is prime the well? You know when you um, um, you know this hand uh, this well now, borehole thing. Well you want to the manual one. You know, when you do that for a night, for a while, nothing comes out. But you keep doing it, you are priming it until it catches and then something that's what you do, even with the things of the spirit. One of the most effective healing ministers in the world, they're, they're gonna be with the Lord now, Charles and Francis Hunter. The first 1,000 people they laid hands on, nobody got healed. Not one. Some of them died. But they carried on. Because they read the word verses, we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They believed it. The first 1,000 people. And they were talking. These were public meetings. So public meetings. It wasn't like a hidden thing. Public meetings. Okay, all you sick, you come out here now. They'll come out. You lay hands, you lay hands, you spit, you shout, you sing, you dance, you push, you bring up, psst, Somebody died. But it didn't stop. They were priming the well. They kept going They kept going until they got to what we call a place of faith. The place of faith is that place you get to when you know that you know that you know that this thing is true. But you cannot get to a place of faith until you've gone through the place of failure. I'm going through all sorts of things. Now what most of us have done I said the first, child, you know, (laughs) this thing is not working. You know that girl? I'm talking many years ago. This is not one of the most effective prophetesses you can find around. And that's how we started. So so my point, every gift of the Spirit is here. Every ministry gift is here. But the point is to stir it up and begin to exercise it. And see, and then the other thing I want to bear in mind is, look, forget... uh, You know, I'm an apostle. I have to be traveling. How am I going to travel? Let me tell you how it happened in my case. Because sometimes that's what we're thinking about a lot of times. How would I get to that level? Mm -hmm. Calm down. I said I was called to the ministry at the age of 17, and I was called. I didn't even encounter. I was called. Right? Nobody believed me. Nobody on campus, believe me. I'm not kidding you. I was there, graduated at 19, came back. You know what they said? You. This rare boy. Always joking, laughing, playing around, hanging out with all the sisters. He you knows all the sisters. Always around with them. Yeah, and so, but you, say, what, you, you know what they didn't know? They didn't know that when I got to my room at night, I didn't go to bed till 5 a.m. They didn't know. They didn't know I was reading 30, 20 30 chapters of the Bible every night. I was reading till daybreak of the Bible. They didn't know. Then I was praying. I was praying two, three hours a day. They didn't know. They didn't know of the books I was buying from this and reading the books. They didn't know. All they saw was this guy. Just jumping around, laughing and playing with everybody. Da, 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 da. Doing all that kind of stuff. They didn't know. But that's part of the preparation. But what they also did not realize was that every opportunity to follow up somebody, I was there. Every opportunity to visit somebody, I was there. Every crusade we did in school, I was there. <laughs> I thought you loved me. <laughs> wow. And I've not even looked at Romans 12 yet. OK, let me try and look at Romans 12, baby. I'm coming back next week. Don't worry. Next week, we'll get into all that. But this is sort of introductory. Let's look, let's look at Romans 12. Give me, oh, you got me Romans 12 already. Sorry, you did already. I will, where's the brother? I will finish in five minutes. The Lord is with me. Romans 12. Hey, you're taking one minute of my time. <laughs> Romans 12. According to the grace, listen to this. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. So all of us have grace. All of us have gifts. Right? If prophecy, use it. It's a lot of use. If you don't use it, you will lose it. Use it. Use it according to the standard of faith. If service, in service, use it. If teaching, in teaching, use it. If exhorting, exhortation, use it. If giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness, if you count it there are seven. Now, here's my point. In this congregation, you have people who have exhorting gifts. They have giving gifts. They have leading gifts. They have showing mercy gifts. They have teaching gifts. What I first said of them. They have prophetic gifts, in this congregation. But the point is, they've got to be used. I was preaching the church two Sundays ago, and I was talking about some of these things, and a guy asked me a question. Said, "What if?" You um, see this family, you really want to help them. You want to help them, but you don't have the means to help them. What, what do you do? So I said, well, I was talking in terms of the person who has a gift, the ministry of giving. The gift of giving. Right? People who, anytime there's a need, their heart always wants to give there, but you don't have anything to give. I said, here's what you do. First of all, first of all, first of all. You always have something to give. Don't, don't believe that lie. And I saw some of you say, ah, you don't know. I'm telling you. Everybody always has something to give at every time. That's the first thing. So, I want to give to this family, so they need 1,000 pounds. They need um, what? A 100,000 naira. So my heart i really want to give them a hundred thousand naira now i'm talking about the ministry, this how that works but i don't have a hundred thousand naira but what do i have i have one thousand hour one what do i do i take my one thousand hour and i give it to them i said Look, i know you need a hundred thousand hour but i'm giving you this one thousand hour but this one naira i'm giving you is a seed but this my seed works two ways It's a seed to me. I planted I'm going to get a harvest. But it's also a seed to you. Because it's going to germinate something in you and then attract other people to give to you or give you away to get the rest of that money. It's a seed. that you pray for them. That's how you fulfill that ministry. Then the second thing I said to him was, listen to this. If God puts it in your heart, what will happen? He'll put it in your hand. I learned that from Mike Murdoch. God puts it in your heart. he put it in your hand. So what do you do? For that heart-hand connection, you pray. Lord, you put it in my hand, so please put it in my hand. I ask in the name of Jesus. He will give it to you. You see how faith affects everything? I went to a church once. As I came in, said, Ah, pastor Day, Good thing you're here. Pray for this. I said, what am I praying for? It says they've been called to a teaching ministry. So they all lined up, everybody, waiting to fall. So I said, Put your hands down, open your eyes. Yes. What are you doing here? I'm just, what are you doing? I'm called to teach. And so, what, what, so, if you've been called to teach, why are you here? Go and teach them. Bye. So I chased them to their sit. Now, let me tell you what was going on there. Because you see, there was another lie that we've been told. Oh, Pastor there has come, teacher. When he lays hands on your head, you see teaching and I say, no. Sorry. It's a lie. Nobody has anything to give anybody. Listen to me. Moses had something to give. That's the technology in the old covenant. And the Let us pray. Oh, oh, you see yourself now. Can I finish my sentence? <laughs> Sorry, dear. Sorry. Thank you. Thank. Thank you so much. Moses had something to give, but that was the technology they had then. So when he took off his anointing and gave to somebody, so let's say he had a hundred units of anointing, he gave to the seventy elders. He was left with thirty units. But under the new covenant, the person that anoints is not the preacher. The person that anoints is the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I lay hands on you, I'm not giving you anything. I have nothing to give you. I don't care what the name of the person is. Nobody has anything to give you. Another deception. And that's if I can put it like this, that most times we lay empty hands on empty heads. Because there's nothing to give. Because the thing is, the gift has been given. So when I lay hands on you, what the best I can do is to stir up what is there. I'm not giving you anything. Because I cannot give you anything, don't give me your anointing. How? How now? How? Do I look like a natural doctor? No. <laughs> I told this I said, "Excuse me, you want to be a teacher? My library in England had ten thousand books, my own books, my own." <laughs> Because you see now, that's, that goes to the territory. Now, an evangelist doesn't need 10,000 books, obviously, but it goes to the territory of that kind of ministry. So it is not by my laying hands on you. Some, or somebody said to me, Pastor, I will open my head. You just lay hands, and what's inside your head will come These are live conversations from lazy, lousy, laid back, and stupid people that don't want to do any work. <laughs> but yeah, it's not people like you. Amen. Praise God. Okay, next Sunday we now go into the details, right? I told you all of the stories to prepare you. But remember the key thing here we're all gifted. We're all called. We're all appointed. We're all chosen. This is the fellowship of the charismatic, the fellowship of the gifted. So maybe your assignment also is to begin to say, Lord, what's my own particular gifting? I've given you the four chapters. Read those four chapters. All of those gifts are there. The meanings are clear, there's nothing too esoteric or deep about it, right? Begin to, you begin to pray, just like I prayed as a seven year old lad. What is my so? I'm giving the books to read now, I'm giving the four chapters to read. Go and read those chapters and say, so, Lord, open my eyes to see what is my own particular area of gifting. And you know what you find out almost invariably, it is something you're already doing or something you have an inclination for, right? Praise God, rest your feet, please.